I'm here with Camry Apollo, and we've just been joined by the director of the National Orientation Agency, Ngozi Ekeoba, and we're talking about national symbols, so you're very welcome to the show, director. Thank you very much. Good morning, Nigerians. Now, lots of people probably do not know our national symbols as much as they think they do. Yes. Well, let me start by saying that in September 1960, the flag and coat of arms ordinance number 48 was signed into law by the then Governor General of the Federation, and that was Sir James Wilson Robertson, 16th September 1960. So, because this date is historic, and the agency felt that this date should not be, um, should not be, uh, should not disappear from the history of Nigeria, we decided to introduce the National Ordinance Day, which is also referred to as National Symbols Day. So, actually, on the 16th of every year 16th september of every year the agency leads nigerians to celebrate our national symbols mm. because these are symbols that stand us out as nigerians wherever you are or whomever you are whether you're Igbo, you're yoruba your hausa or any language or these symbols are things that unite us as nigerians they are the symbols that bind us together and what are these symbols that we're talking about? We have the national flag, we have the national anthem, we have the national pledge, the Nigerian coat of arms, the, our currency, the Nigerian passport, the stamps, and the identity card. Even the seal of Mr. President is also a national symbol. So there is need for Nigerians to respect and honor these symbols. But unfortunately, we have realized in the agency, despite our uh, campaigns, all this why, telling Nigerians why they should honor and respect the national symbols, they have not been doing that. We find out that in most ministries, they don't fly the correct flag. Even when they do, the flags most times might be tattered or sewn or defaced, and they still fly it there. And we are saying in National Orientation Agency that this is wrong. In fact, when I was coming, I expected to see the national flag in front of this building, and I didn't see any. So I'm charging you people, by the time I finish from here, to get one and fly it there, please. And then we talk about our, our currency. You can imagine Nigerians writing on our currency, using it to probably take down uh, phone numbers or even write, uh, short notes on them or squeeze them how can we be spraying our currency our naira on people on occasions and we match on them is it correct it's only in nigeria that you see that kind of behavior so we are saying this so, time of is, change, it, is it possible to stop that because it, it has is become it, a culture it is very possible and that is what Na uh, national orientation agency is saying it is very very possible for us to stop that if you match on your currency you are matching on your country mm -hmm. and how can you progress if you match on your country so we should all look at it critically is it good will you okay let me give an example would you want to match on your christmas or or salad cloth put it on the floor and match on it. You cannot, because you think it's something that you adore, something that you admire, so you will not do it.
So what other national symbols do we have? You ran through okay, a list now, of them. Yes. I, I don't think we should even be spraying our currency, but people tend to do that. But now it's gotten to a point where we're stepping on the currency. But uh, what about uh, the other symbols that we have? Yes, like the Nigerian coat of arms. Mm. Fortunately, or I do not know whether Nigerians know that we have seven features on our coat of arms. And those seven features represent something in this country. For example, we have the shield, which is black, and it represents the good earth of the nation. We have the wavy bands, which are silvery in color, that is silver, and it represents Rivers Niger and Benue. We have the, white, the two white horses, which represent dignity. We have the grand flower, which is the common flower found throughout the country. It's called Coptic Spectabilis. We have the wreath in Nigeria's national colors of green and white. We have the ego that stands for strength and it is colored red. Then the Nigerian motto, which is unity and faith, peace and progress. So you can see that our coat of arms is not just coat of arms. They represent something. Mm. And unfortunately, we have also noticed that some people do not have the correct coat of arms. Mm -hmm. Most times, the horses that are supposed to be white, you see they turn them yellow, yellow or gold. Thank mm. you very much. It's painted yellow. Mm. But the horses are white. The horses are supposed to be white. Mm -hmm. The two wavy bands are supposed to be silver, silver. Mm -hmm. or ash. If and the, and the, the flowers color. are supposed to be yellow. Yellow, and the flowers mm. are supposed to be yellow. Not red. Not red, mm. my brother, not red. Mm. And these flowers are found throughout the whole country. Sorry to uh, cut, come in there, uh, Director. You know, I've been listening with, um, I'll be honest with you, a bit of emotion because a national symbol, it's who I am. It's who my uh, predecessors were. And it's who those who would come tomorrow are. As you rightly said, uh, national symbols are things that make us Nigerians. So when the rest of the world looks at money, they know Nigeria. Look at the flag, they know Nigeria. That's what it symbolizes. And I'm wondering, uh, you hit a, you struck a chord when you said we don't treat our symbols properly, especially money when we squeeze and write on it. It's, it's abused, it's overlooked. And uh, that is cause for concern, isn't it? Because uh, the question I'm asking now is, uh, how do we get people to take care of our national symbols? Because for me to abuse a thing means I don't regard it as anything. I think that's where the problem, it's, uh, the problem is. It's not, not just because we want to um, be bad, rude, disrespectful. We, we're not invested enough in what these things stand for. And I think that that's where the greater part of the job goes. Now, many people would say, oh, it's the job of the NOA. But um, uh, we believe it's everyone's job. But NOA has a massive role to play in that. It is huge. You know, for example, when you say uh, the wrong flags, listeners might not understand. Uh, first of all, I, I am aware that the flag must be one piece of cloth, not three sewn together. But we get that wrong. And we get it wrong not because, uh, you know, we're naughty. It's because it's not important enough, I reckon, for us to do the right thing. We don't misspell our names. So why do we treat our symbols like that? So the thing is, how do we get ourselves as a people to love these things, our national symbols? And that's exactly, okay, let me start from that flag. Thank you very much that you still mentioned flag because flags are not supposed to be sewn. They are printed. And the green there is emerald green. And 
immaculate white. So you don't just go to the market and buy any kind of green and sew it together and call it Nigerian flag. It is wrong. Mm. Emerald green. Emerald green and, and immaculate, immaculate white. white. So and it's it printed. It is not mm -hmm. sewn. Now, for us to respect these our symbols and give them the honor that they deserve, the National Orientation Agency has been appealing to the conscience of Nigerians to respect and honor these symbols. As I speak here now, our state directorates had also been directed to launch campaign to on these national symbols, explaining mm. to Nigerians why they should be patriotic. In fact, that is the word. Because once you're patriotic, if you love your country, you will love, you will respect these national symbols. Mm. So there is need for us to know and understand that we do not have any other country apart from Nigeria. So anything Nigeria should be protected by Nigerians, should be loved by Nigerians, should be respected by Nigerians. These are things that dignify us. These are things that make us as a nation. So why won't we, Nigerians, that's why we're using this medium to reach out to Nigerians, to appeal to them to respect our national symbol. Now, Director, this is an ongoing conversation, and it's something that we have to get into our consciousness as Nigerians. But I want to just, let's spend a couple of minutes on the national flag. Okay. Uh, because I think, aside from the currency, that is one of the most abused of national symbols. Yes. I observed something the other day, and uh, I, I raised it up, and I would like you to also speak about it. We are also in the habit of printing our national flags with a coat of arms in the middle of the white field. And that's actually wrong. That's not the flag of Nigeria. Uh, according to what I understand, that is the president's standard. So when you're doing flags, you don't say, this is the flag of Nigeria, and you have a coat of arms printed on the flag. It's plain white field, plain green field on either side. And you said it's emerald, emerald green and immaculate white. You are not totally wrong. It is actually not, it is wrong and it is right. One, if you have the coat of arms on a flag, it's supposed to be used indoors. Mm. It's not that it's not supposed to be there. The coat of arms are printed on the badges and ranks of people. Then, if you're to have the coat of arms on flag, it has to be indoors. Indoors. It's not supposed to be used by individuals outside. That's the difference. It is an official document that must be used by officials in the offices, not outside not the outside. office. Yes. Okay. And so that's one why more, I said you're not question about the flying of the flags. Can flags be flown throughout the day and throughout the night? No, it is not. It's supposed to be flown from 6 a.m. To 6 p.m. It must be if it must be flown throughout the night, it must be illuminated. It mustn't flown in the darkness. It must be illuminated. There must be light under it. But the actual thing is that flags are supposed to be flown from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then you lower it. Okay, as, as I said, it's an ongoing conversation. Yeah, and absolutely I would is. like to extend an invitation to the director to make a comeback uh, sometime in the future if, if you are free so that uh, maybe we can take these symbols one at a time and understand all of the protocols. Okay. Uh, so I am sure between our organization and the NOA, uh, we can partner to make this happen because it's a very important conversation. But I want to say thank you so much to the director of the National Orientation Agency, Ngozi Ekeoba, who spoke to us and 
I feel educated. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Director, for coming. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We've been joined by a governance reform specialist, and his name is Mr. John E. Mutu, and we're talking about constitutional reform. Now, the thing about constitution is that it's a living document. That means that it's constantly evolving. It is not perfect at the point of its being written. And I suppose this is one of the reasons why I don't necessarily agree with people who always say we need to scrap our constitution. Usually, constitutional documents are based on previous documents that have been written before, and they are living documents. They're organic. They're perfected as time goes on. So uh, rather than jettisoning them, sometimes we have to tweak them, and we have to improve them and look at areas that they come up. So we're going to talk about constitutional reform, and we'll drink from the wisdom of John Imutu. You're welcome to the show. Thank you, Stanley. You heard my view on the Constitution. I would like to hear yours. I think I'm particularly happy with your intro. And uh, like you rightly noted, the Constitution is an organic document. Mm. It regulates the, 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 the conditions under which Nigerians uh, are governed. And uh, as a living document, it has to be reviewed from time to time to reflect the current uh, realities. So it's not something you just scrap and drop on the way, but you continue to improve based on the gaps identified. So I think that is what the National Assembly, who has the responsibility to do that in collaboration with the State House of Assembly, are doing right now. Yeah. What would be the best way if you want to, first of all, make a constitution attractive and appealing and acceptable to a people? Mm. 
Uh, unfortunately, ours is a peculiar situation mm. because we already have a constitution. And the, what we can do at this moment is to continue to amend that constitution. And like I said, the people responsible for that is the National Assembly and the State Houses of Assembly have the mandate to approve. But in amending that, you have to ensure, the National Assembly has to ensure that every uh, Nigerian is given a voice or an opportunity to contribute to that process. So, the identification How do we do that, though? How, how is that possible? Okay, maybe looking at the process, the constitutional amendment process, is uh, maybe through the introduction of amendment bills, which will be introduced by members of parliament. But uh, it can be initiated by anybody. It can be initiated by the executive. It can be initiated by other arms of government like the judiciary. It can also be initiated by organized groups or individual Nigerians. So anyone can initiate yes. a change in the constitution. In the, if change if, if the people constitution. are agitating for something, they can find a way to find that change yeah. put in the constitution. No, mem no individual Nigerian audience can bring that as a bill to the National Assembly, but you mm. have to pass it through a representative. It's only members of the National Assembly that can introduce a bill or the executive sponsoring mm -hmm. a bill or the judge through the majority leaders of both chamber. But when I say initiation, you can initiate the idea and approach those within the National Assembly who share that idea with you to sponsor those bills. So if, for instance, uh, medical uh, workers you know, feel so strongly about an aspect of the, uh, the Constitution and they want to review, it's for them to maybe come together draft an amendment bill and maybe seek for anybody within the National Assembly or the chairman of the committee who will now maybe, if he's happy with it, introduce, sponsor that bill on behalf of that group. So, so also uh, uh, Nigerians who have representatives within the legislature can also approach their representatives that we feel strongly about this aspect of the constitution and we feel it will be right for us to amend it. All we need to do is to propose or work with that legislator to propose the amendment and he now uh, sponsors is on the floor. Say, for example, the president, mm. usually the most influential individual in the country. If there are things that a lot of people are asking for, for instance, we've been talking about restructuring, and if the president buys in to a particular brand of restructuring yeah. or decides to open up a conversation on restructuring and gets an advisory document, how does he go about making sure that that change? Because we've been told that a president can't change the constitution by fiat, and we accept that, but surely a man of such influence as the president, no less than the president, should be able to get things done. Yeah, uh, I think uh, maybe I'll beg to disagree with that position. Okay. Uh, the constitution amendment is just like any other bill. We have executive bill and preponderance of the bills at the national level or the state level is sponsor either sponsored by the president, who is the head of the executive, or the governor at the state level. So if the president feels so strongly about any aspect of the constitution, is to get its own attorney general orders to sponsor a bill. So one of the major sponsors of bills at the National Assembly or at the state level is either the president or the governor. So if, like you rightly noted, if the president feels so strongly about any aspect of the constitution, he has a duty to initiate that and sponsor it. We have executive bills. Beyond the national members of the national assembly, the only other authority that has the power to sponsor bills is the executive. And the leader, the majority leader who represents the party, takes responsibility for now leading the discussion of that bill on the floor because the president cannot come and lead the debate. But the majority leader now takes that and it is labeled, this is an executive bill. So in this case, the president has a responsibility looking at the broad picture 
to lead the discussion in that direction and even maybe initiate such bill. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, you know, Stanley is right, you know, the executive bill, many of us are uneducated on how it's done, but I think he's just answered a question. Mm. Uh, he can't be on the floor uh, at the National Assembly discussing what he has sponsored. Mm -hmm. So it now becomes a party mm -hmm. uh, agenda because right. obviously he's the leader of the party by virtue of being the president. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, um, it makes a lot of sense now. So the leader then takes it upon himself to push this cause which was initiated by his party, by extension, the leader of the party, who is the president. So I think it's very, very clear now. So once it gets to the majority leader and is presented, what happens next? Okay, I think the process is, for instance, this is an executive bill, just like the budget. The president presents the budget, or maybe if it's a bill, the president initiates it. It is written and sent to the Senate president in the Senate and the House of Reps, the Speaker who will now maybe read, present the bill on the floor as a communication from the president. It is read, it's, that's when it may be called the read the first time, and it is now sent to the Rules and Business Committee for necessary legislative action. It is at that point that the majority leader, because it's an executive bill, on a date when it is scheduled for discussion of the general principles, the majority leader now leads the debate on the bill. This is a bill. This is what the bill is about. These are the objectives. So I'm calling on my colleagues to please uh, give this bill accelerated passage or favorably, favorable consideration. If during the discussion and members generally accept the bill and they vote in favor of it, it is now referred to the relevant committee. In the case of a constitutional amendment bill, it is referred to the constitutional amendment committee for further legislative duty. That now becomes the responsibility of the committee to drive the rest of the process. Mm. So, so it still goes through the regular process of process. Uh, first reading, second, second reading, reading, third reading. Yeah. And once it's passed, then yeah. it goes to the state. State House of Assembly. Mm. And this is where it gets interesting. Yes. And this leads me to my next question. It would have to be passed by two-thirds of the state houses of assembly in the country. Yeah. And just in connection with a peculiar problem that we have, which is the local government autonomy or the separation of the local government and the state account, where you have the governors that have uh, an unhealthy influence as to who becomes a local government chairman. It becomes almost impossible for you to achieve a constitutional change, as fundamental as that, if the governors don't want that to happen. Is there any legal way around that? I think uh, it's, it's a big challenge, but uh, for especially the local government uh, autonomy, it's an idea whose time has come. We keep talking about restructuring, we keep talking about field governance systems, we keep talking about uh, economic challenges. In my view, one of the biggest challenges we have in Nigeria is the failure in the local governance system. And until the local governments are empowered to be able to provide services at the community and rural level, we'll continue to dance around this. It's the failure of the local government system that has put serious pressure on the on federal, the federal government. On the federal government and as well as the state government. So for me, it's something that every Nigerian needs to rally around and to continue to put pressure to bear on the legislators at the state level as well as the governors to make sure that this amendment goes through. The governors cannot run away from it. Yes, you can also notice that those who were in power were used to be governors in those days who fought against this same amendment. And the National Assembly now, they are singing a different tune. They are all keyed into advocating for local. But when you were there, you never saw it this way. So for me, 
reform is about the people. Mm. It's about the institution, not the individuals. You are a governor today, tomorrow you will not be there. But the community, the system will continue to run. So for me, and it's not all governors that are against local government independence, but some governors are not. So I will call on Nigerians, I will call on the State House of Assembly to stand on the side of the people and do what is right. It's only an advocacy issue. In some cases, some of these governors even are against it, not necessarily because they want, but maybe because of peer pressure, uh, peer, peer pressure from others who say, please, don't allow this to pass. Or maybe lack of understanding of what it is about. So it's for us to continue to engage all stakeholders, continue to sensitize the citizenry to key into this and ensure that this happens this time around. Now, a curious thing about our constitution is, and I've studied other countries, and some countries have a protocol for a referendum. In Nigeria, we don't look so favorably at that, uh, with good reason. You know, the, we're very concerned that people might exploit that in order to balkanize the country or tear it to pieces. And perhaps this is why the wise men mm. who have written our constitution uh, decided to deny the people the, that particular protocol. However, it has come with its own problems that when there's a, a situation, for instance, local government aut autonomy, where the system makes it difficult for you to achieve that. Uh, one of the ways that you could directly achieve that is having the people do a referendum. So we could do that, or even on, um, you know, how revenue is shared and all of that. But we don't have a referendum protocol in our constitution. Is that a good thing, or is it a bad thing? Or is it neither here nor there? Um, I wouldn't want to call it a bad thing. Mm. But unfortunately, our current constitution, there is no provision that defines how a new constitution can be written. So if today we say drop this constitution, on what basis are you going to On what legal basis? basis will you be drafting a new constitution? So the best, that's why we say the best the National Assembly can do is to continue to amend the constitution through an amendment, but you cannot completely write a new constitution. Mm. Can the I'm National aware. Assembly introduce a referendum clause? Yes, of course, as part of the amendment. I'm aware that in this uh, ongoing amendment, there was an initiative, a bill specifically that tried to define the procedure for drafting a new constitution. But I was surprised that when the bills eventually passed, got to the National Assembly, those, that amendment bill was dropped. So perhaps maybe the committee didn't find it uh, useful. But until we get to that point where you can define a procedure, which could either be through a referendum, or which empowers the National Assembly to draft a new constitution, which will now define the next phase of amendment. Because once it passed through this time around, if you are now amending the, or maybe the next constitutional amendment, this is a procedure you may need to follow. But unfortunately, we have still missed that opportunity now, and maybe until the next <coughs> amendment again, before you can introduce such. But again, it's, it's an idea which you cannot run away from. How that will work, the context, the framing will be dependent on what Nigerians want, what how you think we should define it. Mm -hmm. And the, and the modality set by the National Assembly. Yes, the so the, the National Assembly is, is actually, uh, maybe, I'm not sure that we, we understand how important that institution is yeah. and how we can achieve, because we hear a lot of people demand, and right now we have agitation, mm -hmm. and they say, okay, no, well, we want to go, we want to stay, but we have legal structures that take care of all these things. Do you feel that these processes have been utilized enough? Uh, the problem or, is or are we just anxious and uh, thinking uh, that democracy is an event as, a, as opposed to a process? I think it's a complex challenge. Mm. There are some issues within the agitations that 
has implications for even members of the National Assembly. For instance, there is agitation that the National Assembly has currently constituted, right? It's too expensive, expensive. to manage that the number is too, should they be part-time legislators and all that. If you are now saying we will agitate him for this and the man who has the power to do that is the man who is going to be affected, how will the National Assembly take those kind of issues forward? And that is where the agitation is coming from. So it's not only when we talk about the governance system, some are even saying they should be part-time. Some are even saying that maybe there's the need for restructuring because the way the const federal constituents and the senatorial are currently is maybe skewed against some some regions. For instance, the Southeast is saying that we have five states. We want to create an additional. We are expecting an additional state to make it six. Who are those that will vote on those issues? Some are saying restructuring. Restructuring will affect other individuals. And for instance, the North and South dichotomy are not on side discussions. You know mm -hmm. where they say, look. The North is on, on a, or a favored against the, the South, and you expect these same people to come and sit and vote where they have the majority of the members on the floor. So those are the agitations that are uh, going on in the mind, that's why they don't really trust the National Assembly to be able to do far-reaching uh, amendments that will really, really change mm. the architecture of governance in the country. There was an attempt at one time to bypass the simple protocol of having the president assent to a constitutional amendment. Mm. Ha has that issue been resolved? I think that uh, uh, currently there is an amendment mm. which is proposing that as part of the amending the assent procedure that once two-thirds of the state houses of assembly have passed a bill, Nigerians have spoken. We don't need the assent of one individual, individual. Mm -hmm. because unlike any other bill that resides only within the state legislature the constitutional amendment goes to the state the federating unit where you must get at least 24 houses of assembly voting in favor of any clause you want to amend and at the end of the day you're now coming to say mr president should sign and if he does not sign it which means the whole effort all nigerians through public hearing dialogue and all that, all that effort is wasted like mm -hmm. what happened last time so the current amendment is now saying that once the two-thirds are assigned, the president assent is no longer required. It automatically becomes law. But for that to take effect, the president still has to sign still the has current to assent. one, assent to <laughs> it, before now, subsequently, you want to amend, you may not need the president's assent. Which anymore. comes back to the challenge you mentioned earlier. When there is a change that would affect yeah. the individual, yeah. will yeah. the individual yeah. act accordingly? And it comes down to character, depth of yeah. character, yeah. political will, yeah. and all of those things. I just want to say a quick thank you to uh, John Imutu, a governance reform specialist. It's been very educative, and I look forward to seeing you again and having so deeper much. conversation about that, and I'm sure Camry would do so. Absolutely. Lots to talk about there. Yeah.